Hi, this is Michael Dorn, Lieutenant Commander Worf from Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated Star Trek The Next Generation show. I'm Philip Gilfa, sitting in the center chair this week, and I'm joined by the flagship's expert on all things 22nd century, ship historian, Lieutenant Commander Darren Moser. Oh, Darren, what have you been studying from yesteryear lately? Oh, yesteryear? Oh, that's funny you, funny you should mention that, Philip, because I've heard these things called umbrellas. Apparently, before planets had, you know, planetary weather control, people didn't know when it was going to rain. And they had to, like, carry these when someone predicted what might happen with the weather. But it was, like, maybe a 40% accuracy rate. It's it's exciting stuff, I got to tell you. And I heard they also wore something called hats. Am I saying that correctly? You know, it's a hot hats. Oh. You, have to, you have to put the, uh, the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Okay, that makes sense. All right. Well, I'm also joined by Chief Engineer Daniel Prue. Now, Daniel, I've heard Utopia Planitia is looking for some ideas about movable nacelles. Sounds crazy. Is that one of your concepts? Listen, I spend a lot of time thinking about nacelles. Uh, And here's the thing. I I came across this idea, movable nacelles. It feels a lot to me like uh, the spoiler of a car. Uh, ultimately useless, but visually interesting. Uh, so, hey, you know what? I'm going to say I'm on board for it. Let's see where it goes. Maybe something cool can come from it. I'm just picturing your pitch, Daniel. You guys, okay, guys, just imagine. Stay with me here. <laughs> Movable nacelles. <laughs> Did I just blow your mind? I totally just blew your mind, didn't I? See, I'm imagining him and Don, Don drapering it with like a slideshow. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, as folks can't tell probably from that, we're going to do our second uh, in a, I assume, seven-part series of, uh, <laughs> uh, of a Trek Switch. And this is a little uh, concept we started several episodes ago about um, taking each series of Star Trek and then using an episode from, in this case, season two, um, and trying to either figure out which episode from season two next generation that we think either would be a good fit for another series or a good rewrite for another series or a sequel or a prequel or whatever like that. And so since we recently discussed season two, we are going to do a season two again. And it's not just because we randomly put topics on a Excel spreadsheet. Okay. So looking at that Excel spreadsheet, uh, episode 124, Hide in Trelane, was when we did Trek Switch season one. For those who <laughs> want the that's complete a terrible experience. title, it does not fit at all. Yeah, you know, it's oh gosh, whoever writes those titles, I don't know. He was slipping back then. You know what? Actually, I'm sorry, I want to interrupt. And if I may suggest, we should. That's kind of a, and I think we kind of maybe suggested this before, maybe not. But we should totally like when we're when we're fitting these episodes into these other series, come up with appropriate titles for those Ooh. series. I think Philip made like, that joke last time, but I think that's a good idea. So if it's a DS Nine, it's got to be all Latiny and like eight <laughs> exactly, words long. Exactly. We could do that. For the winner goes the spoils. I don't care what the episode's going to be about. That's going to be the title. <laughs> 
All right. So we're going to begin, of course, with Enterprise, because that comes first, like it always did. <laughs> um, and I'll go first to kick us off here. So my first choice um, is going to be Loud as a Whisper. And for those who don't remember, I guess we may have to quickly summarize the episodes we were picking from Season 2. Um, Loud as a Whisper, this is where uh, we have a actual deaf actor portraying a deaf uh, ambassador um, who visits the Enterprise uh, D to, to help negotiate some warring uh, alien species. And he has this interesting chorus that surrounds him to help interpret him. They all end up getting killed, and he has the uh, crisis of how to communicate, and eventually all goes well in a very cute ending. So the reason I was thinking about this for Enterprise, even though, of course, it's, you know, in-universe the first, since it has been the most recent, I feel like they could do this better. That, you know, in the 21st century, you know, out-of-universe, you know, how um, uh, we have, you know, deaf people and other, the, other people with different um, abilities, I feel like perhaps there would be a, a more interesting showing, especially from the Enterprise point of view of taking those first steps into space. Like, for instance, you know, in their Transporter episode, you know, he had the, the gentleman in the wheelchair, the doctor, or the professor in the wheelchair who invented the Transporter, um, I guess due to a Transporter accident, I suppose. Um, but I feel like they could really um, tackle this better. And I don't really have an idea, per se, whether he could still be an ambassador or whether he's just some expert. Because, of course, Enterprise doesn't really visit Earth that often. But maybe he's, you know, on one of the first uh uh space you know outpost or something or something like that of where he has to maybe uh deal with an alien race that they're encountering maybe he's just on the board for on board the enterprise for some random reason the nxo on you know a researcher or something but then they deal with some alien race that they encounter that maybe he has some special ability to communicate with it's just a rough concept i just think that maybe enterprise being the latest one might have a better way to do this than maybe 1980 did you guys have any other concepts of how this could go that's a good idea i mean i would have never actually considered this one honestly uh it wouldn't wouldn't have popped out to me as one that i would have thought of but um yeah i i agree uh, with you that this kind of i don't know if he would have the chorus or she that would have the chorus or maybe if there's some sort of technological way that human would communicate or would quote unquote listen. I don't know. So they just have something interesting to throw out there. Yeah, so it would be an interesting concept for sure. Sure. And yeah, the way I saw it was maybe this was an alien they encountered that communicated this way. Just because with the purpose of the enterprise, it's the frontier ship. I mean, it's, it's not going to star bases cause there's nothing in front of it, but I, but I see what you're saying. And I think if you played the line uh, with an alien where you're still representing this and, and it's, yeah, like a culture and it, maybe it could be their entire, maybe it's like a codependent species where they grew up on the same planet, kind of like the Zindi, but also in the fact that, you know, like one uh, can't speak, but they can telepathically commute with these other and they've formed this kind of symbiotic relationship. All right. And I have the perfect title. Where silence has lease, huh? <laughs> huh? Uh, I see, oh, I see what you did there. Uh, yeah, that's that's a great. Gosh, jumping. I hope, I hope Darren <laughs> doesn't get to go next. <laughs> um, I don't know. It could it could be depend, depends how the episode goes. You could always go dark whisper if there's something really dark about the episode. 
Um, in a whisper darkly. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll work on it. So, Daniel, what's your uh, what's your season two TNG pick for Enterprise or Star Trek Enterprise, depending upon which it's gonna season. be really awkward when we get to season five and. <laughs> So I actually picked the outrageous Okana. Um, and this actually came to me kind of right after, like, uh, looking down the list of season two. I thought you were and... going to say out of the blue, and I thought that'd be a nice blue shirt joke. No, 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 no. So I'm thinking of the scene, of, the famous scene, of course, when Riker and Picard are on the bridge, and he's using lasers? Like, do we even have to put our shields up for this at this point? I mean, I guess we have to, but yeah, uh, I love that scene, and it's great. But Obviously, he was even like his with his Han Solo like ways. He was never really a threat for the Enterprise, but he would be a threat for the NX-01. Um, fancy flying and 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 uh, primitive technology is exactly kind of uh, f- fits into the Enterprise mold. Uh, and then, of course, I think um, I don't know. I feel like the the other message of the episode, this entire like uh, arranged marriage kind of thing that was going on as well kind of probably would have more of an impact earlier in the timeline as well. Um, it's an episode that doesn't really work that well in TNG, but I think could work very well uh, if it was rewritten for Enterprise. And, and um, I feel like it could be interesting. Cause like, if he's like this, this like daring do pilot, you could have like, I feel like this could be maybe like a good Travis episode because Travis as a pilot would be like, oh man, that's sure. so cool sure. how you did mm-hmm. this and that. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a boomer. And I've been out in space too, um, and they can talk about space ventures. Um, and you know, the only problem is I don't know who he would hit on when he gets Hoshi. To the... Well, no, but, but like in the transporter room, we don't have uh, they, Enterprise doesn't have a transporter chief or anything like that. So I, you know, who I don't know who it would be, but um, maybe Chef. No, I don't. Know. <laughs> Riker? What? No, he didn't even do that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> What would be your your uh, would you what would you be your your outrageous title? Oh, see, Enterprise doesn't really have a theme like the rest of the series. This is the hardest one. Um, they're usually like one or two words only. Like they're less sentences. Is this going to be a three parter? <laughs> and it'll be a three parter. Uh, discount Han Solo. That works for me. <laughs> um, it'll be the fourth season where they were just doing fanboy stuff. All right, so uh, Taryn, what's your pick for enterprise when their second season i thought that they should do the episode where silence has lease and because when i was when i was approaching this thought experiment i I more looked at what episodes and experiences would i want to see these characters participate in and i think that'd be really interesting again we're in the frontier you know we're out there there's no one here to help us and the enterprise nx01 gets caught in nagilam's you know nebula of you know terror and he which that is the title the now worst Harry ne- Potter nebula of nebula of terror is the <laughs> the title but i i think it would be really interesting to see them overcome that because you know Archer doesn't really want to destroy the entire ship as his trump card. Who knows if you even have self-destruct systems like that? I was going to say, yeah, we never saw self-destruct on Enterprise, did we? I mean, I guess he could hold a phaser up to the warp core and be like, this will probably do it. But, you know, <laughs> uh, but, you know it's 
when you when polarizing the hole is part of your complement of defense mechanisms, there's not a lot you can do. So maybe I think, if we reverse the polarity of the hull. <laughs> no, that's just crazy. They won't discover that for another hundred years. <laughs> but uh, so that's the episode I would put in Enterprise, where I think that would be interesting to see the this crew come together to get out of this situation in the Nebula of Terror. Now, what what kind of beverage is in that nebula? I'm just curious. Oh, it's definitely not coffee. It's like right. Red Bull. <laughs> There's catfish in that nebula. <laughs> catfish in the nebula. <laughs> oh, goodness. And I can see that being in the early season, you know, where, where Archer's still very optimistic about, like, hey, we're going to aliens. And then, like, this guy's like, well, I'm an explorer, too. That will kill you. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is should have made a left at Albuquerque and not gone through here. Maybe when to Paul, when you said Nebula of Terror, when you translated that, maybe not take us through it. Um, anyway. yeah. I thought Vulcans were being facetious. We are never facetious. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, moving ahead a hundred years, um, and then you know, Darren, I'm not saying this has to be TOS. Maybe it's TAS. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> but Daniel, what do you have for the 23rd century? So this might be a cheat, uh, but I'm going to go with it anyways. Uh, I picked The Child. Ooh, get which, off the stage. You know, that which, sounds like a TOS episode. <laughs> which was supposed to be a Phase 2 episode, uh, as we all know. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's actually morbid curiosity. I wouldn't say morbid curiosity, but uh, uh, curiosity, I'll just say, I guess, uh, more than anything else. Because, honestly... Child, not a great example of of kind of the forward thinking of Star Trek. We don't need to get into why. It's so who obvious. gets pregnant, Daniel? Because well, that's... I think in the original script, wasn't it? Uh, I think it was Chapel, I believe. Uh, well, I, I would assume if it's Phase Two, it's probably Ilea. Oh, maybe it was. Mm. I don't remember. It's been a little while since I've actually looked it up. And she um, would be adamant that her oath of celibacy was still intact, and they're like, and then Decker would be, <laughs> "Who's the father? Who's the father?" <laughs> I am curious to see how that would kind of play out. <laughs> I'm just now imagining V'ger just warping in, like, boom, like, right there. He, like, beams over. He's like, who's the fuck? No, just, that'd be uh, so, I, you know, just to see. Uh, just who to see. is the creator? <laughs> uh, just to see wh- who, you know, sometimes, for the most part, I do believe that, you know, TNG did kind of move the Star Trek vision forward. But sometimes we fell back, and it would be interesting to see like how TOS would have handled it, or even Phase Two or whatever, um, compared to Star Trek, just to see the different phases of how the ha, phase, phases of how those things would have worked. So I, I that's kind of why I picked it. I, I I would like to see it in its natural habitat. I guess is what you'd say. Now, one thing about is interesting if you place it in TOS. Uh, this isn't a hard and fast rule, but generally during that time, it was unusual to see someone pregnant on TV. Now, it wasn't unheard of because, because it is Desilu, you know, Lucy was pregnant, and I love Lucy. Um, so it wasn't, you know, so maybe they would have been progressive in that way, but it's very unusual to see a pregnant woman in the 60s on TV. All right, so for my choice of TOS, since we're just using TOS for our scrap heap of terrible episodes, <laughs> I picked Times Squared. I'm, and- I'm really surprised you picked this because of how much you talked about it a couple of weeks ago right well well i was thinking about it because of course it's the one that jumps out immediately when i think season two no matter how far i try to throw up um but uh you know i, I was thinking okay Times square how do we make it interesting you know that more than one thing happens uh per frame 
Um, and my first thought was, well, okay, two captains, two Kirks. But I'm like, you know what? We've seen two Kirks. And I, I, and the when they split in half because of the transport, right. and we forget that we have shuttlecraft, whatever that episode is. Um, <laughs> and, and and I was thinking, well, you know what? We've never seen two Spocks. And no, and I mean, yes, I, two regular size Spocks. <laughs> okay. Wait, okay. wait, well, what about... And I'm not counting JJ. No. What about um, the mirror episode? Mirror, mirror. But they, yeah. but they're not in the same side by side. Well, yeah. okay, they're not next to each other. Okay, that's right, fine. right. That's so fine. that's what I'm thinking. Times squared could be two Spocks, and maybe it's something generally Spock squared. Yeah, you could have sort of like because Spock has done that acting sometimes, where he's like, oh, uh, you know, struggling to be whatever, conscious and awake, and so maybe something similar to that, where you have Spock trying to figure out what future Spock has done. Now, my only issue is, I will say the one good thing I will say about Time Squared and TNG, they have very cool uh, special effects with that anomaly. That is actually really That cool. is true. So, TOS, I know, can't really do that. They could um, probably. It's just a slit scan <clears throat> technique. They could probably do that. But I don't know. Like, I think, I mean, they, but they can do other things. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, a, a visual, because it could be, like, a prop. Like, I think Corbomite Maneuver, I mean, that's pretty cool. That ball of whatever Christmas ornament. So they can do something like that that's pretty cool looking, that looks alien. But I could see that where, where the whole crew has to figure out what future Spock's about. Maybe get the whole in Spock, you know. And he can't mind meld, that would be my, my note, because that would be a cheat. Well, um, you know, I'm sorry, Philip. I just, this, like, now my mind is racing. This is actually really brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. This could be that Balana episode where they split her Klingon and Oh, there's human a halves. human Spock and a Vulcan Spock? That's what I'm thinking. How oh. amazing would that be? That would be incredible. It, it will be called Spock Squared. Or it could be Vulcan <laughs> Squared. I'll go either way. But Yeah. What was that? Do you, do you remember the name of that episode? I don't remember. Um, I don't. It could be also called Spock Square Root. <gasps> Ooh, I like that actually even better. Ooh. But yes, but it's not like called that. It's actually ju- it's the just it's just it's just the symbol. So it's the square of Spock with just this. <laughs> that would be awesome actually. Cool. And by the way, uh, Darren, you're gonna have to make that the title of this episode, the square of Spock, uh, and actually include the uh, the, the square root symbol. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, make it an actual formula. No, yeah. no, it has to be the formula with a picture of Spock in it. <laughs> <laughs> is there an emoji for Spock? Because there definitely what should was it, be. The, the square root of Spock. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Darren. What is your? And this is going to be interesting. Uh, <laughs> Star Trek: The Original Series pick. So there was an episode. I think it's the the Corbomite Cor- maneuver where they come across this cube that's spinning, and I thought, yeah. Well, we we you know usually cubes are a little more imposing in later seasons. So I thought, cause you know, I, I don't know why, but uh, what if we did Q who the episode where we introduced the Borg in the original series. So Q and or Trelane or some, you know, tally ho godlike energy of the week. You know, I'm sure we could have it flings them really far. We'd go farther than 7,000 light years. We'd go like into the, you know, into the Delta Quadrant. And because, not because Kirk is smug, but because Kirk is, he has such confidence in his crew that they can handle anything. That's where, for the sake of it, Trelane, you know, is like, oh, really? You know, and he buttons his jacket and, you know, he spins off into the Delta Quadrant. And then the Enterprise is not only massively dwarfed by this giant Borg ship, but but again, remember 
you know, when we watched Q Who, these Borg are very different than like first contact Borg, where they're very, you know, they move very slowly. They're, it's much more of a mystery of like, what is this? Why are they here? You know, what, how can, now, of course, Kirk's going to try to talk them to death, and that'd probably be how they get away, where they, you know, in, input some sort of assimilation subroutine that makes them want to, to leave or go to sleep. But it was just, I would think it'd be really interesting to, I'd also like to envision what the Borg would look like in, with 60s special effects and, and makeup. Because it would be interesting. I mean, let's just let's just say it. The Andorians. Eh. Well, you see, some of the Borg are white on this side. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then they're cybernetic on that side. So, so yes. So I thought, Q who? Why not? What, what, what would, would be, it be uh, called? Trelane. Uh, who's that person? No, we already made that Trelane joke. We can't. We can't do it again. <laughs> we hide in Trelane. Could you, you know, <laughs> I um, I was one of those people. Like, I was a big fan of 2009, and uh, they were like, where are we going to go? What are we going to do next in the 2009 timeline? And I was always like, I want to see Kirk versus the Borg. I want to see it. I, I, and I know this is a, <laughs> an unpopular opinion, but man, if we could have even put the Borg back in the original series, oh yeah, I'm all well, on board Didn't for they have that. a Borg cube station near Jupiter? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no one saw it coming. Okay. All right, so we're going to skip right over TNG because it'd be pretty easy to pick these in two episodes for TNG. Um, and we're going to go into a uh, close to the Gamma Quadrant in Deep Space Nine. So, Darren, you'll, you'll pick us up again with your Star Trek Deep Space Nine pick from TNG Season 2. Okay, so I picked Peak Performance, which is towards the end of Season 2. Actually, some would consider it the end of Season 2. But this is the one where the Enterprise does its kind of war games against the Hathaway. And so I was thinking, what if they're, they're trying to get the station ready for defending the Jem'Hadar, and they have the Defiant? So they do a mock battle where the st- you know, they split the crew in half, and half the crew has to uh, you know, be on the Defiant attacking the station you know, mock attacking, and the other half is defending the station. But again, to supplement it, they have to have Rom and Lita and all the, you know, they're they're separating everybody. And I, I'm not saying the Ferengi are going to pop in because that would be kind of weird with Quark there, but some Delta or Gamma Quadrant alien is going to take that moment to come out the wormhole and be like, you know, oh, station, I will save you. Or, oh, look, a station I can easily take. And... And basically, just hilarity will ensue. And I, I thought that would be an interesting, again, seeing those characters in that kind of situation with, uh, with the Defiant. Everything's on, you know, mock phaser laser blasts. But I think we'd also get some really good shots of, you know, just flying around the station, flying around the Defiant. Okay, and I and I I almost I picked that because that is for the same reason. I was thinking like, okay, peak performance, war games. Well, Dominion, just like we had the Borg threat, the Dominion threat. Okay, so when you were talking, Darren, this is what I imagine. Like, they do, is it like a pickup game? Cisco's like, I'll take Worf, and Kira's like, I'll take Dax, and like, well, so like now now the big so thing Rom's about the last, per- and he's like always the last. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so the big thing about peak performance is it's Riker versus Picard. Now, who is the big? head-on match is it is it necessarily kira versus cisco or who, who do you think is the big like verse 
characters. Like who would be I think command it of would which have one? to be I think I want to say Kira versus Cisco and Kira has to defend the station. Well, she's instead of attack. De- yeah, and she's good she at defense, right? Theoretically. True. The, I'm I trying mean, to think, yeah, who else possibly unless it's like really fish out of water like Odo or someone who would just have no idea like what he's doing in either situation. Is it the Bajorn militia versus Starfleet? Oh, and so we see Kira a lot more background Odo, characters. And then you'd have... Odo's... No, Odo's the ref. He's the one who's going to decide... You're out! <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's, it's canon established. He's a good ref. <laughs> so don't touch him. But uh, that would be interesting, though, with the Bajoran militia. And uh, so then you have, like, Vedic Burial. And, and Kai Wen, of course, shows up to uh, supervise the winning team. Anyway. But yeah, I think either Kira versus Cisco or, like you said, the Bajorans versus the Federation. Although that probably wouldn't uh, lend itself to good relations between. Well, no, no I, I can see it. Okay, the, what the makeup is is that it's um, to protect Bajor against an invasion, and of course, Deep Space Nine is the front line right. for the wormhole. So you have the Defiant playing sort of the Jem'Hadar you know, attack force, because that's, you know, one defines the same as a Jem'Hadar fleet. We all know exactly. that. Um, it's and so, so overpowered, Philip. Right. You won't even know. Uh, come and, on, guys! Let's <laughs> not even get into it. And so you have the Bajoran leadership there on the mm. station to oversee, you know, what would happen and what, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then you have Kira in charge, and then Odo. So it could kind of start where Cisco's talking to the Bajoran leadership, and he's like, hey, we've totally out for the station. We're good to go. And he's like, prove it. He's like, okay, let me go get in the Defiant and attack you. And then I could see what, and this is maybe too complicated, a Gamma Quadrant species picks that exact time to be like, hey, exactly. the wormhole, let's make first contact. Wait a minute, you're a warlike people. You know, right. you're attacking each other. No, no, and they don't, practicing. and they don't believe them because you know they just saw it. Like, why yeah. are you attacking? That's that. Uh, that kind of fits perfectly too, because if you split it down Starfleet lines, you're kind of splitting the the cast in half as well, right? So you have you have O'Brien, Dax, and Cisco on the Defiant, and you have and, Odo, Kira, Quark. Let's say on, let's say Bashir stays. If you want, just to make yeah. it one less. Yeah, uh, yeah or pre-war. yeah, War from Bashir. Let's, but, let's but, keep Bashir on the station. Like he, like some, but, like, but they like have. They also have Garrick. Yeah, go, so there's ooh. enough people ooh. like that makes it really interesting. That's actually a really, really, really cool idea. And Garrick, uh, Garrick's like the Wesley, where he's kind of like bending the rules a little. Oh, bit. exactly. <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm gonna go help the Defiant he, he's real like, quick. I, he, he like taps into the or or yeah, Odo taps into the security, so he actually sees everything they're doing as they're preparing. Well, I can see Odo kind of like taking this opportunity to kind of walk by Garrick's shop and be like, you know, because we don't necessarily see them together that, that I can think of, but he's sort of like. Well, Garrick, maybe you can help us after all. He's gonna be like, Philip, don't for- don't forget about the the, the episode where uh, Garrick tortures Odo. <laughs> there's that there's that one episode. But... <laughs> no, but is, no, that's but payback it's payback cool, for this episode. <laughs> it's a really cool concept, and in fact, you know, it, to to us, not to us, but I think in a lot of time, a lot of times writers do do this where they they pit the main characters against each other. But peak performance does it so wonderfully because it's not like seriously against each other, right? But then something comes in and mixes it up, of course. Right. But now, you feel like the rest of the shows would kind of have that kind of episode, but I can't think of it like where it starts out technically as a as an exercise or a game, and then there's the Maquis training simulation in oh, Voyager. Oh yeah, that's true. Voyager does kind of do that too. 
Uh, that's true. Yeah. Now, what would be the name of the episode? Well, I want to know is is there a subplot like the data subplot where is one particular member trying to prove his worth at the same time? Um, Morn. Morn is playing Morn. some sort of a drinking game, and uh... <laughs> oh, ooh, what if it's like this? What if it's elements of Move Along Home? Where Quark is trying to prove that he's like the best gambler. No, Quark would be running a, a, a gambling thing about who's going to win. Oh, there yeah, we go. That's and true. so he would be cheating to determine who wins. So he tries to get his brother Rom to like sabotage. Like he he makes Rom stow aboard the Defiant. And <laughs> the name of the episode is "May the Odds Be in Your Favor." Oh, there <laughs> nice, we go. Nice. There we go. I want to see this episode. Yeah, this episode is a missed opportunity. <laughs> All right, we know what we're going to write for our next time they ask for submissions for uh, <laughs> fanfic. Okay, so for my um, episode of Deep Space Nine, and again, I'm just going to pick out all the worst ones. Hopefully the other series can make it better. I picked the Royale. <laughs> okay, so the reason I, I thought Royale was a couple reasons. One, this is going to be in the Gamma Quadrant, obviously. Of course. Right. Two, I want Quark there for some reason, because it's going <laughs> to be the same kind of set setting because you need to have quark saying we're gonna be here forever and he's just (laughs) no he's gonna be like gambling i know how to do this you know oh so he's the data baby he's a new pair of latinum because he gets really involved in the story like you know the first two acts will be like it's a hollow novel for him he's (laughs) like this is great i could live here forever free food free gambling i can these primitive earth games i Right, right. You know, and you know, and when they find out they need to buy the the thing, he's like, he talks like, "All right, what's your price?" And anyway, um, so I, I maybe, okay, I'll admit I am not a fan of eighty percent of Ferengi episodes on Deep Space Nine, <laughs> but this can be a Ferengi episode. So it's it you know may not have any other the it could be like Quark on some you know the Negus sends him out to the Gamma Quadrant for some scouting mission. So it's him and like. You know, some randoms, or it could be like maybe one member of the main cast, like Dax or someone's taken along. But so, but it's going to be primarily a Ferengi episode. So it's like you know, Quark, some random person. I'll say Dax for the moment. Then like maybe either a Rom or a Nog or or some other one. And so they find this place that's in the, the Royale, very similar. And you know what? It doesn't necessarily have to be a human that was caught there. It could be a either a Ferengi or a Bajoran. Probably a Bajoran, right? Because there's a wormhole right there. Um, so it's something like that. And maybe there's some Bajoran story similar setup. <laughs> I don't know. But basically, that's where you have it. So it's a Ferengi episode. Cause there are probably one or two or three Ferengi stories I did like on Deep Space Nine. So if it, when it does work, it does work well. So that's that's my concept. Well, I, I think of the... I think it's the the episode the gem like where we first meet the gem at R, where isn't Quark going along like yes. with it's, Rom it's, 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 with uh, Nog Cisco, on a camping trip? Jake. Nog yeah. and Quark, yeah. So same quartet, but now they're stuck in this, you know, the Royale hollow world. Oh, that would be interesting. I and can see again, that because Cisco that, and Quark would react very differently. And that's where it's very early Quark, where he just doesn't like Cisco at all. He doesn't even want to be there. Mm-hmm. But but he's actually the only one who can win the money to end the program. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of we appreciate what Quark's skills can sometimes be, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, no, I like that. And this could be called the Royale with cheese. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> nice. I, I don't. I don't know. We, we'll work on it. All right, Daniel. What is your choice for Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, season two of Star Trek: The Next Generation? So I'm going to go with the Icarus Factor. 
Okay, who banged Kira's dad? See, see, this is the thing, right? You can't pick Kira because that was the obvious choice for me too. But, but if you substitute old Dax, man Cisco, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> we already know who did that. It was a prophet. <laughs> if you substitute Dax as either the Pulaski character or the, like, let's say that one of the previous Daxes has had a relation with somebody's parent on the station Curzon I cuz I could buy that <laughs> well it could be Curzon presumably it'd be Curzon cuz he was the most recent but who I mean uh I feel like because Wait, this is a vi- I'm trying to think Go who ahead. it could be cuz yeah. we've se- we've seen a lot of parents okay we've seen Bashir's parents um couldn't be Bashir's parents no yeah. we've heard of Bashir or excuse me we've heard of O'Brien's parents we've never seen them we know his dad likes to chase nurses around a table um no i don't think it would be o'brien because that would be too weird for the well yeah so it's not cisco it's not cisco because that would have come up that would have come up earlier it can't be odo wait is it Worf's mom because that's going to be really weird no it can't be there's got to be a character um let's think oh hang on let's think about this it's gonna be mom you know who it's gonna be who it's gotta be um martog's family Curzon is intimately involved with the Klingons, right? So and when why I say intimately? <laughs> so why not? Anyways, but let me let me at least lay out my reasoning here why I picked okay. the Icarus Factor. It's a very character-driven episode. Um, very character-driven. I mean, the, the the entire thing is, of course, the joke made famous by Andy uh, from Women at Warp. Hi, Andy. How are you? Hashtag Dandy. <laughs> Um, is the fact that obviously one of our characters has banged one of the other characters' parent, which is a pretty significant event. So that's the A story? What's the B story, Daniel? <laughs> well, in Icarus Factor, um, the B story is Worf's Rite of Ascension. But you could just keep. Which you could totally keep. Or you could move it to Alexander, or you could move it to someone else. Or, or you could just keep. Daniel, Daniel, um, are you, have you been drinking or anything? Did you just mention <laughs> Alexander so storyline? What have you Alexander done with the real Daniel? <laughs> uh, I, Daniel, I, just, I need you to take this knife and cut your hand and prove to us that you are not a changeling. <laughs> oh, he's going to give us that speech about humanity and civil liberties. <laughs> How many... How many Daniels do you think there are on Trek FM, guys? You think there are only three or four of us? Oh, no. He's been in the podcast forever. (laughs) Um, No, but it it does have a lot of elements of of Deep Space Nine episodes. Now, as a person that's not a writer, I can't fill in those gaps. But I do feel like they would fit very well in Deep Space Nine. Again, I do think the, the main question is, who did Curzon have relations with and i don't know i can't even think of anybody i you know this can't be the exact title but a title of this episode would be like who did curzon sleep with like <laughs> that i'm watching that deep space nine episode <laughs> because you know uh actually just recently here um as we're of recording we were talking about um the from there to here covered the episode dax which is to me a very frustrating episode and a, and a mediocre episode but um one of the interesting ideas is what what is the past Dax's, what, what impact does it have on the future Dax's lives? And so you could cover that in this episode. You could replace Dax with the Icarus Factor, Factoria or whatever you wanted, to, however you wanted to Latinize it. I don't know, whatever. Um, but so you could have like, oh, Curzon had done, 
had whatever, you know, you know, had been with this person before and how does it impact the crew? And that would be kind of an interesting thing. Um, maybe it was, it's gotta be someone important to Cisco. I feel like, cause he was like, you never told me, you know, I don't know. But, uh, anyway, sorry, I've, I've been rambling on, but that's, that was my idea. You know, cause I was trying to think like, it, could there be a similar thing of someone's being offered command? Like is, is Cisco being offered command of a starship or something or, could it be something what like that? What would Cisco need with a starship? <laughs> <laughs> what would a prophet need with a starship? <laughs> okay. No, I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. Um, okay, so we're going to go from the uh, Gamma Quadrant to the Delta Quadrant. But don't worry. We'll be back. This is TNG. Um, <laughs> so for my pick, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm going from the bottom. Um, not that I hate this episode, but I know you guys don't like it. Um, the Dolphin. And that's how you pronounce it. Um, and uh, I'm thinking that this is going to be, and I know this is very cliche, but that's what we live on. It's going to be a Harry episode. He's going to fall in love. <laughs> She's going to be a shape-shifting Ewok and the hijinks <laughs> ensue. Yeah, so I could it, see it, that. You know, you know what? It could replace the Space Herpes episode. I don't remember the name of it. Um, but make it better. Because it's a shape-shifter now. <laughs> Yeah, that's an idea. You're, it's almost the same episode. Cause it really is. Yeah. Romantically, you know, Harry and Wesley are really not that different. Um, <laughs> well, actually, I would, I would say they are because, and, I'll, and I will come in defense of our great leader, Christopher Jones, and say that Harry at least got to kiss Ashley Judd. So, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, Wesley. I said Harry. Yeah. Wesley got to kiss Ashley Judd. I don't know. Um, but, you know, that's neither here nor there, I guess. Yeah. No, that's from there to here, Daniel. You're messing. Oh, up. sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, Different yeah. podcast. <laughs> right, right. So that's that's my thing. You know, it'd be a season two or three episode of Voyager. You know, it wouldn't be a great one, but it'd be hilarious, and we could add it to our "What's Wrong?" You know, Harry's like Jordy. That's basically going to be. <laughs> All right. So, so Darren, what is your Voyager entry? Oh, wait, I'm actually excited about this one as well. So I wanted to do Elementary Dear Data, which is already a great episode, you know. But I thought, I was trying to think, the main core of the episode that stays is them creating a self-aware hologram. Now, we we already have the Doctor. Voyager? I don't buy it. I know, I know. So we already have the Doctor. So, But here's my thought. Okay, what if, because I was trying to think, okay, well, Geordi and Data are the ones who use the holodeck on the Enterprise, who uses the holodeck, really? Yeah, it's Captain Proton with... Uh, uh, Buster. Yeah, and Buster Kincaid. So here's yeah. my thought. What if the way... So it's got to be uh, Harry that asks the question, or some... You know, uh, actually, well, let's not dump on Harry. We'll dump on Tom. Tom asks the question. But basically, Harry, Harry, I'm tired of beating these people. They're so easy. I'm getting tired of this program. So at first I was thinking like Chaotica or something came self-aware, but then I had a, a better thought. Satan's robot. Danger. Danger. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to dismantle Chaotica because he's such a great character. Like to him all of a sudden to be like serious, like he's trying to Even figure out his own existence. death I shall conquer. But what if the program creates a Captain Proton? And it's a different actor. And they're dressed like Captain Proton, just like Tom. And Tom's like, uh, there's not supposed to be a Captain Proton. You're supposed to be the character playing the program. 
and the program creates a Captain Procron character that I got it. He's tired of the program. Tom leaves, and he's like, "Look, Harry, just because I'm tired of it, I got it. You know, because I'm I'm married in Balana." I don't get to have fun anymore. Am I right, guys? Ah, y'all left me hanging. Um, but don't worry, Harry. You know, the computer can make a Captain Proton. You can still have fun. Computer, create, blah, 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 blah. And then, like, huh, it's done. They walk away. And then you sort of have, like, for some reason, the program's still running. You just hear, shing, the character appears. And then he opens out of the, uh, he he opens the porthole and steps into the ship. And he's like, you know, the music's all ominous. And, but he's like way over the top. Because he's, you know, the counter to Chiotica, so he's very Flash Gordon, like, yelling his lines, and he's just all over that. Is, is it going to be played by Tom... Uh, not Tom, Tom Paris. Is it going to be played by Ro- uh, Robert McNeil as well? Uh, or are we going to have somebody I would, like... I would say it's a completely oh, different cool. actor. I would actually like that idea, Daniel. I think it's, a, it's like a heavier makeup job, because the computer's going to go off Tom. And so that would be interesting because we don't get to see McNeil doing, you know, a lot of characters other than when he loses his tongue. (laughs) Yeah. So he, okay, okay, I can go with that. So it's, it's played by Robert Duncan McNeil. And so in order to be a adequate, you know, companion on this adventure with Harry, he has to be semi self-aware. And so he starts to, so yeah, he starts off bubbly and, you know, comically like the serial but then he starts to and he has to have a moment where he you know looks in the periscope and he's actually seeing like stars it's tapped into voyager sensors and he sees the ship that's docked there and you know we get yeah that the, the that portion of the story is kind of the same where he's he's starting to gain control over the voyager and he's he wants to fly the real ship he wants to really explore uh, space hey, well he wants to save the day oh yeah but all of his decisions are terrible because Ooh. he's used to going up against Chaotica. And I was just going to say, I mean, Ooh. and like... Go ahead, Daniel. I just, I'm <laughs> sorry, I'm, yeah, I'm getting like a thousand ideas. I know. <laughs> uh, we should, by the way, and I hope our listeners agree and they're, they're listening and they're also enjoying this. Uh, we, should, we should get on with, with To the Journey and we should, oh, we should yeah. just make this a great episode. I, I have but, the title, Captain Proton's Revenge. Ooh. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> Um, but I think, yeah, so, uh, oh my goodness, I'm already losing some of my ideas. Um, but I, yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, and, and so somehow, of course, Janeway gets dragged into this, right? As the bride of Chaotica and she Who's kind of has to right through Chaotica. And so she has to kind of placate these people in the same kind of vein, uh, you know, that, that in, oh God, what's the second Moriarty right. episode? Oh, oh, Ship in the Bottle. Oh, yeah, ship in the Bottle, where we kind of had to trick that, that, you know, trick Moriarty into this whole thing. We had to do the same kind of thing on Voyager. It'd be really fun. Yeah, I, I, mean, I was thinking like that Voyager is encountering, you know, whether it's a, it could go one of two ways. Either one, it's like a regular first contact and there's a trade negotiation, or it is actually they meet some uh, violent aliens and they're trying. Either way, Captain Proton is communicating with them. <laughs> He's like, I'm Captain Proton, and away with your That'd be funny if you gains control the helm, and all of a sudden the ship is, like, flying around, like, <laughs> swirling and doing barrel rolls. Do a barrel rolls. roll. <laughs> <laughs> so you see the Voyager. But yeah, all of the controls in his spaceship are controlling the Voyager. 
And Ooh, I, that would be fun. Yeah. Maybe at the end, like somehow, and I don't know. You, I don't know how it ends. Maybe we, we don't Ooh. have it. But like he he has to end up like giving commands, but he gives it in like Captain Proton speak to like the yeah. bridge crew. He's like, now Fire here, the laser cannon, and Tuvok's like, yes, the laser cannon. Yeah. Activate, <laughs> activate your. Uh, electrified magna shield you and know harry's, you know, and then like you know seven's like what and harry's like the shields <laughs> what if what if instead of jane way having to reprise chaotica a uh, bride of chaotica what if in or arachne, arachnea what yeah. if instead balana has to be the femme fatale that he rescues so she hates like, it she not doesn't want to be but something else yeah right because you have to end the program somehow. Or, exactly. I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. But what, what do you think, Dan? Yeah. Or he, or he imprints that on her. He, he sees her as that. Well, I was just, well, that makes sense too. But I was just thinking that one of the, the best parts of the Bread of Chaotica is Janeway being dragged into the scenario. True. But what if, I mean, and this goes along with everything we're saying right here. What if every character gets dragged along because they all mean something to Tom? So everybody has to act in character in order to kind of facilitate this illusion that this. So I'm picturing that scene from DS9 where they're all walking to the Hollow Suite to help. Uh, oh yeah, Vic, exactly. Vic Same kind of thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I think it would have to be a rule like everyone who's done it before can't do it again. So like Janeway can't do it, the Doctor can't do it because they've done it already. So it'd have to be like, yeah, but well, the doctor can come in as the president of Earth again. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, yeah, if you wanted to, because, you know, it's always good to news. But I'm, I can definitely picture Bolana being the most reluctant, but having to have the biggest role. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and Tom's going to be kind of like conflicted because he's like, you have to convince me. Like, you're not going to kiss him, right? You know, like, you know, there has to be some sort of. It's <laughs> just like, I don't know, Tom. Isn't he you? You know, like, uh... <laughs> I'm thinking of that other earlier episode where they're playing pool, and it's like, Tom, did you program him? He's a pig. You're a pig. (laughs) And so are you. But, yeah, anyway, I think, yeah, it would be a really fun episode, because it's always fun playing in the Captain Proton world. The Captain Proton's Revenge. Yeah, that, that, I mean, I I hope I don't have to go next. I I hope I don't have to go next, because I I don't think I can follow that up. Daniel? (laughs) Daniel? What is your I'm, pick? I'm just, I'm, I was just about to turn off this podcast, and I can't now. <laughs> what's, what's your pick for Star Trek Voyager? I picked Pen Pals, uh, an episode that we love to talk about. Um, although I don't think it's a fantastic episode, it is a good episode, and it's got a lot to say. But Pen Pals, I think, were, would actually work better on Voyager. Um, presumably on the, on the flagship of the Federation. These conversations about what the Prime Directive is and what it means have already been had. Going into that situation, everybody knows what they're going to do. Um, but but uh, here in the Delta Quadrant, when you have differing opinions, when you have these, these kind of conflicting, oh, what do we do? We're coming across this planet. And it, it kind of makes sense to me that if somebody reaches out to some member of the crew, uh, it would be kind of more impactful. Do you have a person in mind? Because I 100% do. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Please do. Naomi. It literally will be pen pal. Naomi makes contact oh. with an alien species unknown to the crew because she's like, you know, doesn't have any kids to play with. And she ends up like, oh, you know, yeah, she's playing with the channel or whatever. Not playing because she doesn't really play, but because she's a nerd. 
but like no, she's, she's in you know, uh, stellar cartography yeah or not she, stellar cartography the uh, astrometrics and, yeah and, and seven's not there or whatever seven she, gets called away for whatever emergency right yeah the decaf nebula is right off the port bow yeah <laughs> and then she makes contact with a child and who's is a, it the child yeah, and, but but it has to be someone who would not meet the prime directive. So it'd have to be like maybe she's experimenting with like low wave, whatever, blah, techno babble um, <laughs> for her, so, for Captain's paper as Captain's yeah, assistant. Exactly, and so Naomi is the one who breaks the prime directive. Oh, Ooh. that's really interesting, especially because and she's going to be the voice of like when you have Naomi. He's not. A, I mean, she's a child, but you know, she's precocious. But like, she's going to be the one making the case to the captain. We have to save these people. Yeah. And the captain has to look Naomi in the face and be like, the prime directive, I'm sorry. You know, and then it <laughs> goes from there. Naomi? <laughs> Naomi? Are you, th- are you there? Yeah. No, that's actually There's really brilliant. There's everywhere. <laughs> I don't want to die. <laughs> that's actually a really good idea because, um, you know, as much as, you know, we, and we love Data here on Earl Grey, but uh, he doesn't have the same kind of emotional impact that, like a, an 11 year old child right. will have like, Data, on you. Gosh, why'd you do that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, and that's a really cool idea. And, and how Janeway would react to that would be a really interesting episode because, you know, we do get prime directive episodes in Voyager, of course, but um, the, you, could, you could set this in season one easy. Well, set N- this Naomi in doesn't season... exist then, so it'd be kind of. Hard. Oh, I'm sorry, you're right. I guess we couldn't. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're right. If She's a baby. <laughs> Darn I mean, right. she is a fetus for about three seasons, but... <laughs> yeah, you're right. But anyways, the, the point is you can kind of establish mm-hmm. how... Or maybe reestablish. Maybe this is more towards the middle of Voyager now, when they kind of... is this going to be... Um, uh, what would it be for Naomi? Would it be 15 days where, like, she's ripped off her captain's assistant rank at the beginning? You're sentenced to your quarters for 15 days with no <laughs> dessert. <laughs> all right guys well i think we we did some you know folks we we've we've that's that's gonna be all your uh submissions next year for for new voyages and new worlds coming out we, we've basically given everyone free outlines here okay but um doing a trek mix of season two for all the other star trek series is not the only thing we've been talking about this week on trek fm here's a quick look at what else you may have missed this week on the network previously on trek.fm the ready room 50 years, there's been something to carry it this far. In that yeah. vein of, hey, it's our it's our generation or our era's mythic heroes that we can look up to. Do we dare put that in something that's lasted as long as, you know, literary-wise Shakespeare and some of the other myths of, of, you know, the ancients that have found a purpose and a use that still speak to people? Women at Warp. Admiral Alan Alda came to visit Captain Coretta Scott King. <laughs> Meanwhile, morale officer Beyonce is uh, trying to deal with her new Weasley sweater. And <laughs> they're all partying at the first contact party. Stage nine, a podcast about the people who make Star Trek. I'm going to take a moment just to say stage nine here on the Trek FM network is the only show I'm aware of where you're going to hear somebody get this upset about camera technology. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. You can listen to every show on the network 
at trek.fm with links for iTunes, streaming services, and a direct download link. This week of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com. This is a great way for you to read all of the books you want to read but never have time for. Audible is always expanding with over 150,000 titles to choose from. There are classics, current bestsellers, and famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive and Federation. Audible has something for everyone. Now, as a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to try out Audible yourself. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read. To support Trek FM, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Thank you, Audible, for supporting Earl Grey and Trek FM. If you are a weekly listener and would like to directly help Earl Grey, please consider becoming a patron of Trek FM. At patreon.com slash trekfm, you can choose a pledge level and receive rewards for becoming a Trek FM patron. You'll be inside the Observation Lounge of our network, able to participate in our monthly patron roundtable podcasts, and supporting the production of all of our great content. We would like to take this moment to thank our current patron associate producers, Stephen Boyd and Ron Sarna. Thank you for supporting Earl Grey. Connect with other Trek FM listeners on our Facebook discussion group called The Babel Conference, found through the Facebook search field, or like the facebook.com slash trekfm page for show updates and announcements. The network is also on Twitter, at TrekFM. All right, Darren, when you're not creating sentient life forms in the holodeck, hollow suite, hollow whatever, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter under username Dr. Sci-Fi. That's D-R-S-C-I-F-I. And Daniel, when you're not being outrageous, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter as well, at one of Dan. That is the number one, not the word. All right. And if people want to talk to me about why two Spocks would be awesome, they can contact me on Twitter at NC Public Servant. That's NC for North Carolina. Well, guys, whew, man, I have so many stories to go through right now um, to either write or to act out as voice plays for future Literary Treks episodes. Um, this is going to be a whole lot to work on here. Um, but until next time, when we somehow go through Season 3 and apparently make it even better, judging from what we did to Season 2, we will see you all next week on Earl Grey. Until then, make it so. Live long and prosper. Engage. Fire. Fire.